From New York, this is Democracy Now! Fuel and diesel in the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Hospital are starting to run out. If they do run out, patients in the hospital will die, and the hospital will turn into a mass grave because the operating rooms will not be functional. The death toll in Gaza has topped 7,000 as Israel's bombardment continues for a 20th day amidst a deepening humanitarian catastrophe as fuel, food, water run out. On Wednesday, an Israeli airstrike killed the wife, son, daughter, and grandson of one of Gaza's most prominent journalists, Rael Dadu, Al Jazeera's Arabic's Gaza bureau chief. There is no safe place in Gaza at all, and no one is safe. No one is safe from the aggression and the treachery of the occupation. We'll go to Gaza to speak with one of Wa'el's Al Jazeera colleagues, and then to Ramallah in the occupied West Bank. We'll be joined by longtime Palestinian diplomat and scholar Hanan Ashrawi. Finally, UC Berkeley philosopher Judith Butler who recently joined other Jewish writers and artists signing an open letter to President Biden calling for an immediate ceasefire. All that and more coming up. Welcome to Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. Israeli tanks invaded the northern Gaza Strip overnight in what military leaders are calling a targeted raid ahead of a much larger ground invasion. The incursion comes as Israel continues to bombard the whole Gaza Strip for a 20th consecutive day by air, land and sea. The Palestinian death toll has soared to more than 7,000, including nearly 3,000 children. The U.N.'s Refugee Agency for Palestinians, UNRWA, says it's been sharing its own dwindling supplies of fuel to keep life-saving hospital equipment running and aid deliveries moving. An UNRWA spokesperson asked the Associated Press, quote, do we give for the incubators or the bakeries? It is an excruciating decision, they said. On Wednesday, Oxfam accused Israel of intentionally starving Gaza's 2.3 million residents. Oxfam's regional Middle East director said the situation is nothing short of horrific. Where is humanity? Millions of civilians are being collectively punished in full view of the world. There can be no justification for using starvation as a weapon of war, they said. In a live broadcast on Al Jazeera Arabic Wednesday, Gaza bureau chief Wa'al Dadu learned his wife, daughter and son had been killed in an Israeli airstrike. Dadu's grandson, a toddler, was pronounced dead just hours later, all of them killed by a missile that flattened a home where the family had been sheltering from Israel's round-the-clock bombardment. Another of Dadu's sons was seriously injured with a head wound. The family had fled Israel's bombardment of their neighborhood in the north to seek shelter in the Nusrat refugee camp in central Gaza, heeding Israel's order to 1.1 million Palestinians to evacuate southwards. Datu was interviewed live on Al Jazeera shortly after learning the news. Do you think that your coverage has urged and angered the army of the occupation so that they could target your family? Unfortunately, everything is possible these days. All red lines have been crossed by the occupation army, and this is very probable. The attack came as Axios reported Secretary of State Antony Blinken recently asked Qatar's prime minister to tone down Al Jazeera's coverage of Israel's war on Gaza. Al Jazeera is funded by Qatar and based in Doha. 
Hamas intensified a barrage of rocket attacks on central and southern Israel overnight. Israeli officials say most of the rockets fired from Gaza were intercepted by Israel's Iron Dome missile defense system, though at least six people were wounded. Two more attempts at the U.N. Security Council to halt Israel's assault on Gaza both failed Wednesday. A U.S. resolution called for a pause in violence to allow for aid to be delivered. Russia and China vetoed the proposal. A competing Russian resolution called for an immediate ceasefire. It also failed to pass, with the U.S. and U.K. vetoing it. Members of the Security Council are drafting a new resolution, while the 193-member U.N. General Assembly will vote Friday in a draft ceasefire resolution. There are no no vetoes in the General Assembly. The resolutions are non-binding. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., White House spokesperson John Kirby acknowledged more innocent people will be killed. This is war. It is combat. It is bloody. It is ugly. And it's going to be messy. And innocent civilians are going to be hurt going forward. After more than three weeks without a leader, the House of Representatives voted 220 to 209 Wednesday to elect hard-right conservative Mike Johnson as speaker. All House Republicans voted for Johnson. The Louisiana congressmember was closely involved in Donald Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election, including voting against the certification of election results and leading the amicus brief in support of a Texas lawsuit that attempted to toss out results in four swing states. Johnson is a Christian fundamentalist who opposes abortion and LGBTQ plus rights. He's proposed trillions of dollars in cuts to Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid. He spoke Tuesday after being sworn in. I believe that Scripture, the Bible, is <clears throat> very clear that, that God is the one that raises up those in authority. He raised up each of you, all of us. And, and I believe that God has ordained and allowed each one of us to be brought here for this specific moment in this time. In its first legislative business after a three-week standstill, the House overwhelmingly approved a resolution backing Israel and condemning Hamas. The vote was 412 to 10. As the U.S. refuses to call for a Gaza ceasefire, protests continue on Capitol Hill to put pressure on lawmakers. Dozens of American Jewish activists with the group If Not Now were arrested as they held sit-ins at the offices of House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, Democratic Whip Catherine Clark, and Vermont Independent Senator Bernie Sanders. Activists sang ceasefire now, not in our name, and no genocide as U.S. Capitol Police placed them in plastic handcuffs. Senator Sanders said Wednesday he supports a humanitarian pause in Gaza, but did not say he supports a ceasefire, as activists are demanding. In Maine, a manhunt is underway for a man wielding a high-powered military-style assault rifle who opened fire in a bowling alley and a bar restaurant in the city of Lewiston Wednesday, killing at least 15 people, wounding as many as 60 others. Maine's public safety commissioner has ordered residents to shelter in place with their doors locked. And police are currently searching for a Robert R. Card, 4-4 of 1983 of Bowdoin. Card is considered armed and dangerous. He is a person of interest, however, and that's what we'll uh, label him at uh, moving forward until that changes. If people see him, they should not approach Card or make contact with him in any way.
Robert Card is an officer in the Army Reserves and a trained firearms instructor. Police say he recently reported hearing voices and threatened to shoot up a National Guard base. He was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks over the summer, yet continued to be allowed to use his guns. Bates College is about four minutes from the massacre site. According to the Gun Violence Archive, there have been 565 mass shootings across the United States this year. In Philadelphia, a judge reinstated all charges, including murder, against a former police officer, Mike Mark Dial, who shot and killed Eddie Rosari inside the car during a traffic stop in August. Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner reissued the criminal complaint against Dial after another judge dismissed the case last month. Body cam footage shows the officer shooting Rosari six times at close range, even though he did not appear to pose any threat. The United Auto Workers has reached a tentative deal with Ford six weeks into a historic strike against the big three automakers. UAW President Sean Fain announced the breakthrough Wednesday evening. For months, we've said that record profits mean record contracts. And UAW family, our stand-up strike has delivered. The agreement, which still needs to be approved by rank-and-file union members, includes pay hikes totaling over 33 percent when cost-of-living adjustments are factored in. It also includes wins on pensions and job security and could serve as a blueprint for the ongoing strikes at GM and Stellantis. And in Montana, white nationalists have been charged with vehicular homicide in the March hit-and-run killing of Micah Westwolf, a 22-year-old woman and member of the Blackfeet tribe. 28-year-old Sunny White, whose children are named Arian and Nation, also faces drug possession and child endangerment charges. Her children were reportedly in the car at the time that she crashed into Micah. White was released from jail on Sunday after she posted bonds. Speaking to Democracy Now!, Micah Westwolf's mother, Carissa Heavy Runner, called the arrest a bittersweet moment for the family and for the campaign for missing and murdered Indigenous women after prosecutors took months to bring charges. We just want the system to administer justice impartially without favor or bias, and that race is not a factor in following the rule of law. People who commit crimes need to be punished in accordance with the laws they have broken. In this case, this person killed my daughter. She was only 22 years old. To see our coverage of Micah Westwolf's killing, visit our website, democracynow.org. And those are some of the headlines. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman. And I'm Nermeen Sheikh. Welcome to our listeners and viewers across the country and around the world. We begin today's show in Gaza, where Palestinian authorities say the death toll from Israel's 20-day bombardment has topped 7,000, including over 2,900 children. On Wednesday, an Israeli strike killed the wife, son, daughter and grandson of one of the most prominent journalists in Gaza, Wael Dadu, Al Jazeera's Arabic Gaza bureau chief, who's been described as the voice of Gaza. The Israeli strike on the Nuserat refugee camp killed at least 25 people in total. Dadu's family had fled to the refugee camp in central Gaza after Israel ordered residents of northern Gaza to vacate their homes. Al Jazeera condemned the Israeli attack, describing it as a, quote, indiscriminate assault. 
Dadu learned that his family members had been killed while live on air. The network aired dramatic footage of Wael at the hospital's morgue where the bodies of his dead wife, son and daughter had been taken. He was still wearing his press flat jacket. Moments later, Al Jazeera's senior political analyst Marwan Bishara spoke on air to condemn Israel's killing of civilians. This is much more than an incident. This is a crime, a deliberate crime. The Israelis are targeting civilians. The Israeli president said there are no innocents in Gaza. Well, here, here it is, Mr. Herzog, the president of Israel. Tell me if these children are not innocent. When you say there are no innocents in Gaza and everyone supports Hamas, I want you to tell me you who this crime is in your responsibility. This genocide has been called by Israeli president and Israeli prime minister, enabled by the leaders of Western democracies. That was Al Jazeera's senior political analyst Marwan Bashara speaking after Israeli airstrike killed the family of his colleague Wael Dadu. Wael also spoke to Al Jazeera Arabic from inside the hospital. There is no safe place in Gaza at all, and no one is safe. No one is safe from the aggression and the treachery of the occupation. That's why we have left, um, we have delegated our faith to Allah Almighty, and we will continue this path that we have chosen at the end. This is a profession of troubles, whatever you want to call it. And Allah the Almighty, I hope that Allah the Almighty would bestow patience upon us. During the coverage that you did over the past few days depicting Gaza being targeted, you stayed here steadfast. Do you think that your coverage has angered the army of the occupation so that they could target your family? Unfortunately, everything is possible these days. All red lines have been crossed by the occupation army, and this is very probable. However, here we want to say for the record that when we carry out our duties, we do it to the fullest with high professionalism in the middle of bodies and, and, the, and the injured and in the middle of destruction. We have a professionality that they would need eons for them to meet that professionalism. So we work. Everything that takes place on the ground, our camera would capture without without any fabrication and without even exaggerating. We are not exaggerating. What's happening is truly big, and the coverage has to be big as well. Finally, if you would, although that's reality now, would you pursue legal action to prosecute the occupation for murdering your family? Let's um, let's see what happens after the surgeries that some of my family members are undergoing and after we bury our dead, and then we will talk about this matter. That was Wael Dadu, Al Jazeera Arabic's Gaza bureau chief, speaking through a translator just after an Israeli airstrike killed his wife, son, daughter and grandson. The killing came on the same day that Axios reported U.S. Secretary of State Tony Blinken had recently urged the Prime Minister of Qatar to tone down Al Jazeera's coverage of Israel's bombardment of Gaza. We go now to Gaza City, where we're joined by one of Wael Dadu's colleagues, Yumna Al-Sayed, a correspondent for Al Jazeera in the Gaza Strip. 
You're now welcome to Democracy Now! Please accept our condolences uh, on the deaths of the family members of your colleague. Could you explain what you know uh, about what happened and where exactly uh, his family was killed? First of all, Ba'el, like many of us, like thousands of Palestinians who got the order to evacuate from the north and from Gaza City to the south, heeded that order and moved his family to the south to Nusayrat refugee camp. And when I say refugee camp, it means I'm talking about a very densely populated area with homes very much adjacent to one another. A place that just hosts thousands of homes and civilians and armed civilians. This is where Wael kept his family in another home or a family home there. They were hosted, the entire family, his wife, his kids, his nephews, nieces, everyone. He stayed in Gaza City to report from Gaza City, where most of our crews had headed to the south to report from Khan Yunus in the south. But as you've seen, as the whole world has seen, the bombardments were relentless every single day in the south. When I say the south, I mean Khan Yunus in Rafah, for people who don't know. I mean Nusayrat, I mean Al-Brej. All these days since the evacuation order, not one day, not one hour, these places were not targeted. Homes were targeted. Hospitals were targeted. In these same areas, that people were asked to evacuate. Hundreds of families who had evacuated from the north and from Gaza City were killed in those bombings. When we say there's no safe place in Gaza, we're not lying. We're not being biased. We're not exaggerating. The north, Gaza City, and the south, they're all just the same in terms of bombardment, in terms of targeting. And in all the life conditions, it doesn't mean that they're asking people to go to the south because there is a better life condition in the south. There's water in the south. Or for example, there's electricity. Or there's drinking water that you can buy. Or you can find bread easily. I just want to ask one question. Why did they ask us to go to the South? Yumna, um, earlier this week, the Israeli government approved, quote, emergency regulations that would close broadcasters thought to be acting against the, quote, security of the state. Is Al Jazeera the only network broadcasting live from Gaza? I mean, CNN has a reporter there. He files tape reports as he, too, with his children, is fleeing the bombardment. But in terms of the live stand-up reporting, is Al Jazeera alone? Yes, it's Al Jazeera alone. 
And I want to ask, how does Israel or the United States describe Al Jazeera to be um, biased? Because they say this, they say that Al Jazeera is biased. They say that Al Jazeera should lower its tone on its coverage on Gaza. Why are we getting these orders? Is Al Jazeera showing something that is not happening? Is Al Jazeera filming a targeting or a bombing or those thousands that are being brought to the hospitals or hundreds that are being kept under the rubble or civil defense crews that dig with their hands and with no resources? Is this not a reality? Is Al Jazeera saying that there's no water and there's no electricity in Gaza and there is? Is it saying that there are no networks in the mobile phones and there are? Why are we, why are we getting these orders? We're getting these orders because we are broadcasting what we really see. We're neutral. We're not showing one part against the other. Didn't you hear Al Jazeera say that there were rockets launched from Gaza? Every time there are rockets launched from Gaza, don't our correspondents in Al Jazeera Arabic and Al Jazeera English say that there are dozens of rockets launched from Gaza? They hit places in Israeli towns. Sirens were heard. Injuries in Israeli towns were conducted. Don't we report that? We're not biased if we only report what is happening on the Israeli side, but we're biased when we report what is happening on the Palestinian side. Is this what we have learned in journalism schools around the world? Is this how we're supposed to be neutral and objective? Is this the image that we should give our audience who trust us? You know, in 2021, Israel leveled a 12-story building in Gaza, housing the offices of Associated Press, Al Jazeera, and other media outlets. Israel justified the bombing by claiming Hamas had been using the building but offered no proof. Israel gave media workers inside advance warning of the attack, telling them they had just one hour to evacuate, refused to delay the airstrike when journalists begged for more time to recover personal items, cameras and other equipment. The head of Al Jazeera called the attack a blatant violation of human rights and war crime. Associated Press said it had um, no evidence of Hamas operating the building. Last year, Israeli forces killed, shot dead a Palestinian-American journalist, Shireen Abu Akla, as she was covering the Janine refugee camp in the West Bank. Um, can you talk about um, what the calls are for the U.S. government, which provides so much of the funding of the Israeli military, um, to make demands now? They've been pushed into calling possibly for a pause. They're not calling for a ceasefire. But this issue of journalists and civilians dying in such large numbers, at this point, I think the number is 24 journalists, uh, three Israelis, 20 Palestinians, and one Lebanese uh, cameraman from Reuters. In 2021, 
you I had an interview on your show. It was on the phone. Maybe that's why you don't remember me. And I told you clearly that this was a targeting against journalism and against media. All media offices in the Gaza Strip in the 2021 were completely destroyed. All buildings hosting any media office, including Al Jazeera's and the APs, were leveled to the ground. I myself, I survived a car accident, or let's say, I don't even want to say a car accident. It's not because it was a targeting of another, uh, um, another uh, jihad, Islamic jihad wanted or, or something in a car. And he wasn't, by the way. It was, they just assumed that he was. And I survived that targeting miraculously. I almost died in that attack. The United States claims to be a democratic state. It claims to respect all rights. It claims to be a civilized nation. What is the correct description of these words for the United States? What did the United States do when Shireen Abu Akhle was killed, and she is a Palestinian American, did they stand up for her? What did they do when our bureau and AP's bureau were bombed when the AP is an American agency and there was no proof of any Israeli claims until this day, we're in 2023. The United States, it's clear to the whole world, to you Americans, before any other nation, supports the benefits of Israel, despite all realities, despite all proofs, and despite any claim of democracy, of democracy or rights. The United States only supports what Israel says. Even if the entire world sees that this is not the truth, it will continue standing next to it. And mm. I can't respect a nation saying, or a government, I'm not going to talk about the American people because I know that not all governments represent their people, but how can I respect a government that sees all these violations and claims to be a supporter of human rights and democracy and stand still, not doing anything. Yumna, uh, I'd like to go to a clip of you live on the air on October 7th at the moment when Israel bombed a tower behind you in Gaza City. Yumna, please take cover. If you are in a position to do so safely, you can explain to us what we're happening. If you are not in a position to do so safely, yes. then please get to safety. No, it's okay. Um, this is a missile attack on, on Palestine Tower. 
right in the middle of Gaza City. Yumna, take a moment to breathe. Take a moment, you and your team. Take a moment to breathe. So, you know, okay? that was Just on October 7th, the day, of course, uh, that Hamas carried out its attack. So if you could describe the scene, what was the scene then in Gaza? Can you believe that that missile that you saw in front of you was just a warning missile? This is how the people of Gaza get warned before they are completely bombarded. That strong and powerful bombardment that you saw in front of you was just a warning missile. I was standing normally. I didn't even feel that it was danger where we are. We're on the rooftop of our bureau. It's uh, perfectly a safe place. We take safety precautions first because we don't want to risk our lives. We don't want to put our lives in danger. But can we, no matter how much precautions we take, can we push that <coughs> danger and risk away? Was Wael able to protect his family? Am I able to protect my family? Is anyone in Gaza able to protect their families? We're not. We're under constant fire. We're under constant bombardment. Yumna, we thank you so much for being with us. And yes, we do remember you from 2021 on the phone or when we can see you. Um, your reporting has been unforgettable. Yumna Al-Sayed is a correspondent for Al Jazeera speaking to us from Gaza. Please be safe. And again, the condolences of our newsroom uh, to your whole Al Jazeera family. Your last comment. Yes, I just want to say one thing. I want to say this, and I want the world to remember my words. In my culture, in my language, we say, In your culture, in your language, they say, what goes around comes around. And when it comes around, like this whole world is watching, the genocides happening in the Gaza Strip. We shall be watching, too. Yumna Al-Sayed, thank you so much for joining us. Coming up, we go to Ramallah in the occupied West Bank, where we'll be joined by the longtime Palestinian diplomat and scholar, Hanan Ashrawi. Stay with us. On the other side of As quiet stars fall to my night, daylight opens to tragedy in the past. From behind the apartheid wall A mother throws her child to sleep 
Sili singing Strong Tree in one of the Palestine solidarity protests in Albany, New York. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman with Nermin Sheikh. We're continuing to look at Israel's bombardment in Gaza as Israel and the United States reject growing calls for a ceasefire. The death toll in Gaza has topped 7,000 as Israel's bombardment continues for a 20th day amid a deepening humanitarian catastrophe as fuel, food and water run out. Israel began bombing on October 7th after Hamas carried out an attack that killed 1,400 people in Israel. We go now to the West Bank, where Israeli forces are continuing to arrest large numbers of Palestinians across the occupied West Bank. Overnight, at least 85 more Palestinians were detained in a series of raids in East Jerusalem, Hebron, and elsewhere. According to a Palestinian prisoners' rights group, nearly 1,500 people in the West Bank have been arrested since October 7th, many of whom are being held without charge under Israel's so-called administrative detention policy. Over 100 Palestinians have been killed across the West Bank this month. We're joined now by Hanan Ashrawi, the Palestinian diplomat and scholar, formerly an executive committee member of the Palestine Liberation Organization, PLO, was the first woman to hold a seat in the highest executive body in Palestine. She also served as the official spokesperson of the Palestinian delegation to the Middle East peace process. Uh, Hanan Ashrawi, welcome back to Democracy Now! If you can, following uh, Yumna, um, talk about what's happening today, the bombardment, the global calls for a ceasefire, including the U.N. Secretary General, um, Guterres, um, and also talk about the U.S. response and what a difference it makes what the U.S. says. Yes, absolutely, because the U.S. is not an even-handed uh, observer or peace broker. The U.S. is certainly a partner in crime with Israel. The U.S. is funding uh, Israel, is providing it with massive weapons, has sent uh, aircraft carriers. The bombs being rained down on Gaza and sometimes on us are made in the U.S. The airplanes are American airplanes. And not just that, but the U.S. has decided to become spokespeople, the, the U.S. Uh, administration, including Biden and uh, Blinken, in a very, in a horrible way, in which they have sacrificed their, not just their own credibility, but the credibility of the Americans by repeating the propaganda of the Israeli spin machine and by labeling and maligning and smearing the Palestinians and then calling us liars. So what Israel says in many ways affects, what the U.S. says affects public opinion as a whole. Even the Europeans swallowed all those lies at the beginning of the uh, incursion in which they accused the Palestinians of horrible things without evidence, without substantiation, without any kind of proof. And then it became uh, actual fact. So let me say that now the U.S. has no credibility, whether at the political scene or at the military scene or at the moral or even legal scene, by consistently voting against any kind of ceasefire, by giving Israel not just a green line but all the 
uh, weapons, all the materials needed to continue with this genocide, and there's no other way for it, to describe it, then the U.S. is in many ways is not just complicit, it's part of this war. And this war against Gaza is a massacre against civilians. 731 families have been totally eradicated. It's not just when we say 7,000 killed 750 or, or uh, several thousand children, 3,000 children and so on. These are all human beings that we are seeing live on the air. We are seeing bodies torn to pieces. We are seeing people digging through the rubble. And we know that there are over 1,700 who are uh, under the rubble who cannot be dug out. People don't know who they are, where they are. There are children who've lost whole families. There are babies who are left alone and nobody knows to whom they belong. And there are massive uh, mass graves in, in Gaza. It's, it's just so horrific that to see Blinken or, or Biden stand up and say we don't believe the Palestinians. Well, look at Netanyahu. Pinocchio would be very happy with all the lies. They have a spin machine we have a cause. That's the difference. They have weapons of mass destruction. They have Apache gunships. They have F-16s. They have everything that they can uh, throw on, on innocent people, on whole families, on buildings, on neighborhoods, on whole areas, on hospitals and schools and universities. And I think our weapon is not just a moral stance but also a legal stance. We have international law and we have right on our side. So that's the difference. We talk about asymmetry of power. Yes, they can kill all of us, and they've been trying to do that piecemeal and gradually in the West Bank, killing people, demolishing homes, extrajudicial assassinations, abductions of people, and so on, and in a massive way uh, in, in uh, Gaza, long distance, where they are not seen, where they are invisible. Gaz uh, the, the Gazans are being killed by... Uh, war machines that are provided by the U.S. So the, the asymmetry of power is, of course, in the power that is physical, that is uh, uh, destructive weapons. We have a human power, moral power. We are a people, as I said, with a cause and with justice on our side. And that we must continue on, on insisting on and, and pressing for the rest of the world to see there is public opinion, it is moving, it is shifting, it's beginning to see through all the clouds of, of misconception and, and lies and, and uh, smearing campaign. But the, the leaders sooner or later will be held accountable for not only swallowing these lies and repeating them, but also for being party to them and for being complicit in this. So it makes a difference. It makes a difference that the U.S. used its veto repeatedly to prevent any kind of justice for Palestine and in this case to prevent any kind of resolution on ceasefire, ceasefire for heaven's sake, stopping the killing of innocents, the slaughter of people in a genocide that is unfolding before the eyes of the whole world and they stand up and say no ceasefire. Uh, it is just unconscionable. And, and Dr. Ashrawi, uh, uh, quite apart from the fact that the U.S. is uh, uh, holding back on endorsing a, a, a ceasefire, uh, Netanyahu spoke last night on, on Wednesday and continued to talk about a ground invasion. So as lethal and devastating as the present uh, assault is on Gaza, what do you fear might happen with a ground invasion? 
Actually, this is being used as scare tactics and as part of psychological warfare. And does Biden want a, a ground invasion or doesn't he? The, uh, does Netanyahu want one or doesn't he? What do the military say? What they don't? Look, a ground invasion, yes, can be lethal. It can be also a continuation of the massacre. But, uh, I mean, I think you cannot invade such a, a high-density population, an area that is already under siege, uh, that has also underground tunnels and so on, and expect it to be a picnic for them. I know they can kill more people. They've been killing people every day. So how much worse can it be? I mean, the... If you kill 8,000 and there are others and, and, and more and more, what do you want to do with a, a, a ground invasion? But let me say frankly, they had hoped at the beginning that with carpet bombing and with killing as many people as possible in the north and sending them south, then bombing them on the way and bombing them when they get to the south, that they had hoped they would carry out ethnic cleansing in the north and they would clear the way either for a ground invasion where there are no people or for a reoccupation of the north. At first they hoped that all Palestinians can be expelled and kicked out and can go to Egypt or, or Jordan or whatever, which is part of the history of the Nakba, of the Palestinian disaster catastrophe in which Israel was created by a series of massacres against the Palestinians, the raising to the ground of 500 villages and more, the, the scare tactics of expulsion, uprooting people and, and expelling them and, and turning more than half the Palestinian people into refugees. They thought that this can be done now. Well, it can't be done now. Now they're talking about ground invasions and they're leaking news that they might uh, flood the tunnels, for example, or they might use gas against them in the tunnels, or they will not uh, they will continue to prevent any kind of fuel from getting to Gaza so that the air in the tunnels will no longer be there and everybody will be killed. Which is something that I think people should understand. It's not just the Palestinians there, there are hostages there. Hamas offered to release non-combatants, to release international uh, people and to release people who are not involved in this war. And they don't want to even talk about it in, in Israel but they are willing to sacrifice all of them through such a massive uh, campaign of, of slaughter again. So anyway, whatever they want, Israel clearly does not have a clear policy of what to do because it is based not on justice, not on understanding what the real causes are and therefore what the real solutions are, but on inflicting more pain, killing more people, continuing with the genocide and pursuing Nakba politics that have not once produced any kind of peace or stability or security for anybody. Dr. Ashrawi, I want to play two clips of President Biden speaking in the Rose Garden yesterday. We also have to remember that Hamas does not represent, let me say it again, Hamas does not represent the vast majority of the Palestinian people on the Gaza Strip or anywhere else. Hamas is hiding behind Palestinian civilians and it's despicable and not surprisingly cowardly as well. This also puts an added burden on Israel while they go after Hamas. But uh, that does not lessen the need for to operate in line with the laws of war. During the news conference, Biden also questioned the reported death toll in Gaza. 
No notion that Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed. I'm sure innocents have been killed, and it's the price of waging a war. I think we should be incredibly careful. I think not we, the Israelis, should be incredibly careful to be sure that they're focusing on going after the folks that are the pro propagating this war. So two questions, Dr. Ashrawi. He's saying you can't trust the casualty figures that uh, Gaza is putting out and that Hamas does not have the support of the Palestinian people, though he says that he does not push for a ceasefire for the killing of civilians. No, exactly not, because he's complicit. And I say it very openly. These are American weapons, American funding, billions of dollars are being poured on in, in the area, and American weapons are coming. What are they doing in, in our part of the world? Why do we want ships and bases and warships and aircraft carriers and so on to defend Americans? What from? Where from? Why? But anyway, let's, let me go back to the issue of this. this again, it, it's a way of demonizing and dehumanizing a whole segment of the Palestinian people. The, the, it is disingenuous to think that Hamas is just a separate group or to continue with this uh, uh, slander that Hamas is ISIS or this has to do with, with the Israelis being Jewish or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. And Hamas is not ISIS. I'm not a Hamas supporter and I've never been and I'm not a member. But there are 30% at least of the population. They ran for elections. They were part of the Legislative Council. They have a military wing, yes, and they have a political wing, yes, and they have social services and institutions and women's organizations and children's organizations and they uh, provide services in Gaza and elsewhere. So why, why do you insist on just labeling Hamas as a terrorist organization and not understanding the larger context? You cannot kill Hamas. 30, you want to kill 30% of the people? You insisted on having democracy and elections and a pluralistic system, and we do. Look, in Israel they have people who are more ideological, more to the extreme, more racist, and so on, than any political uh, party in, in Palestine. The real difference is that we are under occupation. Huh? The real difference is that uh, there is a predisposition by uh, Biden and others to malign the Palestinians and to believe everything the Israelis said. Did they have to walk back the issue of women being raped or children being beheaded or all that nonsense, doctor pictures and so on? What about the, the Al-Ahli Anglican Hospital? Huh? They, they immediately, Israelis said, we bombed ourselves, it's a Palestinian uh, uh, rocket. They said that before, when Shirin Abu Akhle was killed. Immediately the Israelis said that she was killed by Palestinian fire. It's amazing, the, the church of St. Porphyrius in, in Gaza, huh? they immediately said no, it was, and Biden just blindly parrots everything he hears from the Israelis. And as I said, the Israelis have a spin machine, and they, and they are good at it, I must say, because they spend billions on it. And we just have people who are people of conscience, people who know what's happening, people who are standing up now and exposing all these lies. And he dares say that we are the lies, that you can't believe the Palestinians. How come the UN has the same numbers? How come the US used to use the same numbers? Huh? Now you say, I don't believe them because you don't want to believe any evil of 
your, your protege, Israel is guilty of slaughter, of massacres, of ethnic cleansing, of genocide. These are the terms that describe a reality that is happening before your own eyes, Mr. Biden. I would like you to see our children as human beings. The women killed. People under the rubble who die under the rubble because we don't have the machines to get them out. Because also the first responders have been killed. Because ambulances have been destroyed. Because there are no roads to get to them. And because people are digging them out with their hands and they can hear them and they can get to them. Because a grandmother, I am one, was embracing the body of her daughter and her grandchildren and saying, please come to me in my dreams because I can't live without you. This is what you're doing, Mr. Biden. This is what the West is doing. We are refused the recognition of our own humanity and our own rights, while the death machine that is destroying everything we stand for that started with the establishment of Israel as a colonial outpost. Yes, we may not be white, uh, Anglo-Saxon, or, or no, most of us, many of us are Christian, but you cannot use this racist division that the North deserves all power and protection and can get away with anything, literally with murder, while the South and the brown people or whatever color do not deserve it. Just stop this. Stop this colonial mentality. It has to be dealt with honestly. And you have to look at the facts and you have to look at the truth and you have to look yourself in the mirror, look at your eyes and tell me that this is right. Dr. That you can get away with the murder of thousands. Dr. Hanan Ashrawi, we thank you for Sorry, being with I'm, us. I'm getting a bit emotional. You don't have to apologize. Thank you. Dr. Ashrawi, Palestinian you. diplomat and scholar, formerly an executive committee member of the Palestine Liberation Organization, first woman to hold a seat in the highest executive body in Palestine. When we come back, UC Berkeley philosopher Professor Judith Butler, who signed on to a letter of Jewish writers calling for a ceasefire back in 20 seconds. Birth of Creation by the Comet is Coming. The group canceled their final show last week, saying, quote, in solidarity with the global call to strike by our Palestinian brothers and sisters who are in the midst of a genocidal assault, unquote. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org, The War and Peace Report. I'm Amy Goodman with Nermeen Sheikh. We're continuing our conversation on Israel's bombardment of Gaza. We're joined now by the philosopher and gender studies scholar Judith Butler, who's one of dozens of Jewish writers and artists who recently signed an open letter to President Biden calling for an immediate ceasefire. Judith Butler is the author of numerous books, including The Force of Nonviolence and Ethical Political Bind, and part
Parting Ways, Jewishness and the Critique of Zionism. Their recent piece for the London Review of Books is headlined The Compass of Mourning. Judith Butler joins us today from Paris. They are distinguished professor in the Graduate School at the University of Berkeley and the Hannah Arendt Chair at the European Graduate School. They're also on the advisory board of the Jewish Voice for Peace. Welcome to Democracy Now!, uh, Professor Butler. If you could respond, we were just speaking to Dr. Ashrawi, who said that Palestinians have, quote, been refused the recognition of our own humanity and rights. You've written extensively on the way in which different lives are valued differently. Um, yes, well, let me uh, simply say um, that everyone on this show um, who you have uh, interviewed in Palestine has used the word genocide. And I think we need to take this word quite seriously because it does describe the situation in which uh, a population is targeted, not just the military part, but the civilian part, and um, bombarded, um, dislocated forcibly, um, and plans are being made for relocation or the absolute raising of Gaza itself. So, um, as you know, uh, uh, there are um, legal groups like the Center for Constitutional Rights that has published a 40-page study on why it is correct to call what is happening to Palestinians now genocide. And um, other groups are um, studying international law and showing that um, uh, genocide is not, uh, it doesn't always look like the Nazi uh, regime, but it, it can be the systematic undercutting of the livelihood, the health, the well-being, and the, and the capacity to persist. Um, this uh, is exactly what is happening. Why it is that the U.S. media, for the most part, and the U.S. government has decided to be complicit with genocidal crimes is a major question. It is a, uh, an alarming fact. Um, and Hanan Ashrawi is right to say that it's not just that they're giving ideological support or spin doctors to say that Israeli genocidal violence is justified. They are actually giving weapons and support and counsel in order to effect this genocidal set of policies. So as far as I'm concerned, the Palestinians have been labeled as ungrievable. That is to say, they're not a group of people whose lives are being considered as worthy of value, of persisting, of, um, of flourishing in this world. They, if they are lost, it is not considered to be a true loss because they are uh, not just less than human, surely that, but not just less than human, but a, a, a threat to what the idea of the human is that is being defended by Z Zionist um, uh, politics shared by Israel and the U.S. and many Western powers. So I think um, once we see these caricatures taking hold in um, public discourse, all Palestinians are Hamas, or um, 
uh, Hamas is terrorist rather than, say, an armed resistance struggle, uh, or um, uh, Israeli violence is morally justified um, and um, Palestinian violence is barbaric. Well, why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be right to describe? the bombardment of people in their homes and in their hospitals and in their schools, or as they are fleeing, according to Israeli directives, um, why isn't that barbaric? I mean, what we are seeing is, a, is, is, is not, not just the killing of Palestinian civilian lives as a casualty of war, a kind of byproduct. These civilians are targeted. So the targeting of civilians who belong to a particular group ethnic, racially defined. That is a genocidal practice. That is what we are seeing. And we should all be standing up and objecting and uh, calling for an end to genocide. It's true. I signed, um, I signed several petitions, one of which calls for an immediate ceasefire. That's the minimum. But the fact is, is that the violence that we're seeing belongs to a long-standing violence, 75-year-old violence that has been characterized by systematic dislocation, um, killing, imprisonment, detention, um, stolen land, uh, damaged lives. We, we actually need a much fuller political solution to the situation until Palestine is free and people in Palestine are able to live as citizens or political actors in a world that they help to craft. They become self-governing. They belong to a democracy. We will continue to see violence. We will continue to see this structural violence producing uh, this kind of resistance. Um, so Judith I hope Butler, we don't, in the end, put a Band-Aid. Yeah. Let me ask you, the Israeli Please. politician Moshe Feiglin called for a Dresden on Gaza, referring to the World War II firebombing of the German city of Dresden, killing some 25,000 yes. people, a storm of fire in all of Gaza. Naftali Bennett, the former prime minister, when asked about the killing of Israeli civilians of uh, more than 1,400 people on October 7th, responded to the sky uh, anchor saying, are you seriously talking about Palestinian civilians? We just just have 45 seconds, but your response. Well, I, I, th I think that one of the problems is that Palestinian civilians are not recognized as such. In other words, um, uh, when you've accomplished rhetorically and through the media uh, the identification of Palestine with terrorism and all Palestinians with terrorism, barbarism, and animality, then there are no civilians in the, in the imaginary of those who are doing violence to them. We want to and thank— that's false, <laughs> and it has to be opposed. Thank we you. want to thank you for being with us. We're going to continue with part two of our discussion and post it at democracynow.org. Judith Butler is a philosopher, political commentator, and gender studies scholar, uh, distinguished professor in the Graduate School at University of California, Berkeley, and the Hannah Arendt Chair at the European Graduate School on the advisory board of Jewish Voice for Peace. That does it for our show. I'm Amy Goodman with Nermeen Sheikh for another edition of Democracy Now!